Welcome to episode five of Talk Exchange. Today, our hosts, Tracy and Christy, welcome Jeremy Tate, who is the president of the Exchange Club of Charleston and the largest club in the Exchange Club network. They are just coming off of the 2022 Coastal Carolina Fair. So Jeremy is going to talk to us about the event, what it takes to put it on, why they do it, how it impacts the community, and a lot more. So we hope you enjoy episode five, Talk Exchange. Welcome to Talk Exchange. I'm Tracy Edwards, CEO of the National Exchange Club. And I'm Christy Lindahl. I'm the Director of Communications. Christy, I'm so excited about the holiday season. How's yours going so oh, far? Oh my gosh. You know, the the people, they're so happy and energetic and my kids are just bouncing <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> they're ready. That's so fun. And it's an important time for exchange clubs too. You know, for some clubs, it's their busiest time of the year. It's what they worked so hard for all year to raise the money so that they can put food on tables at Christmas time so that they can put... Christmas gifts under trees, and it's just such a beautiful time when people can come together and feel so fulfilled at the generosity that they're able to put back into the community. It's a lot of fun. It is. We make a great impact. Absolutely, and we see a lot of that on Facebook. So as a reminder to all of our Exchange Clubs nationwide, go ahead and go to the Exchange Club member page on Facebook and hashtag Exchange Awesome or what's the other hashtag? Exchange Nation. Cool. And uh, we'll find those and share those all over the place. Okay. So I'm super excited about our guests today. Hi, Jeremy. Hey. How are you? <laughs> we are excited to have the president of the Exchange Club of Charleston, the largest club in the Exchange Club network. And they have just come off of the 2022 Coastal Carolina Fair, which is an amazing event that takes the commitment and passion and dedication of every club member. So we're going to hear from President Jeremy Tate today to tell us more about it. So, Jeremy, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure you're happy to have that in the rear view window, right? <laughs> yes. Like, Whew, another one checked off the list. What number was that? How long has the club been doing this event? Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, we've been doing it since 1957. So, wow. Uh, 65 years, is that right? Oh, my gosh. And grown yes. and expanded. Amazing. Yeah. So, tell us, how, what's your evaluation of this event? How did it go this year? This event went extremely well. You know, in 2020, we didn't have a fair uh, amid COVID concerns and um and we came back last year for the first time in 2021 with a with a really good fair. But this year was was uh, way better. Uh, of course, a lot of that had to do with the cooperation of the weather. Um, we had really mm -hmm. great weather throughout the fair, great attendance. Um, the patrons came out in, in good numbers, and they they spent money. They had a good time. We had uh, a new theme. It was called New in 22 this year. Uh, for the first oh. time in five plus decades, we had a new ride operator who brought a kind of a freshness to our fair um, with new rides, things that uh, we haven't seen before. We also had a new committee uh, start uh, working with our outside sales, the vendors, the food vendors, the, uh, the games and um, things like that, that, that went extremely well. So there were, there were a lot of things that went uh, incredibly uh, well this year. And last year coming out of COVID, we didn't have our senior day at the fair uh, again, mm. with concerns of, of that, uh, older population and, and the health risks, we decided not to have that 2021, but we brought it back uh, this year and it was a huge success. That was the Wednesday uh, of the fair where we opened to seniors and uh, special needs 
um, uh, individuals. Uh, the gates open from 10 to 2 early on that day. It's only for that population. Uh, I think we had about 5,600 uh, people come out during those four hours. Wow, wow. And um, <laughs> it was great. And we, you know, that's, that's, that's the one day of our 11 day fair that we really look for our national day of service because we are providing mm -hmm. that service to the seniors. We have uh, 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 medical personnel come out to do health screenings, vaccinations. There's a lot of nonprofits that come out to, to basically promote their services to seniors and special needs. Um, we have special events going on, uh, particularly just for the, those seniors. And uh, it's just a great event. So uh, by all accounts, it went extremely well this year. We're glad to have it in our rearview mirror. Um, <laughs> but it yes. is a year-long process. So as soon as it ended, we had our fair board meeting uh, later that week to start planning 2023. So, <laughs> Wow. Well, I know it's a well-oiled machine after that amount of years. But wow, 11 days mm -hmm. to deliver that type of an experience Wow. Amazing. Tell us about the new rides though. So what was the hit ride? What made it really special for kids and attendees that they said, Oh, I must go on that ride. Well, you know, uh, being as involved as I am in the fair, I don't actually ride the rides too much, it's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> but there were, uh, several roller coasters that came that uh, in the past we might've had one or two. We probably had a handful of roller coasters this year that, uh, wow. did extremely well. Our kid zone was uh, we have two Kiddie Lands, a Kiddie Land 1 and a Kiddie Land 2, both of which were uh, incredibly improved from years past. And, and my kids, who are six and, and three, really enjoyed it. Um, Mom and Dad, not so much, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we did enjoy it. I think that was probably the best thing, uh, was seeing the kids' uh, interaction on the Kiddie Lands. Yeah. So, Jeremy, 11 days, that's a lot of time and a lot of manpower, I'm sure necessary to keep everything running. How involved is the average member of your club in the fair? Yeah, it's uh, very involved. We, you know, we have at the time that, that the fair started, I think our membership role was 235. And then the day of the opening day of the fair, we inducted uh, five new members. So um, awesome. it was great. It was really great. But it does. We It requires a lot of member involvement. We've tried to to require our membership to work 40 hours during the 11 days, each person to work 40 hours. We converted it to point system recently because we need the help mainly on the weekends. You know, during the weeknights, uh, we can get by with, with less manpower because the crowds aren't as busy. You know, the gates open on a weekday at three o'clock, so as soon as school is out and they close at nine. But on a Saturday, especially a beautiful weather Saturday and not much football games going on locally, then uh, we open it at 10 and go to 10. And it requires a lot of a lot of manpower on, on that Saturday and Sundays from noon to nine. So again, two long days. Um, we, we run sh two shifts a day. Uh, each shift requires about 120 of our members. So you can uh, envision that that's, that takes a lot uh, of effort. We have three gates that we man. and um, I'd say running the gates, the three gates, selling tickets, taking tickets, and just kind of helping patrons uh, get around. That, that takes about 60 of our members each shift. And then the other 60 or so members are spread through the committee since we're committee run. So we, we have committees that look after security, after outside sales, uh, the, the midway games, um, uh, let's see, parking, you know, you name it. 
we've got the committees that are, that are running. We have to have the membership there. Quite often, if we don't have the membership that, that shows up when they're supposed to, we're pulling people from committees out to the gates to kind of take care of the crowd. Um, so that's, that's why membership is uh, one of the reasons why membership is so important to our club is because we have mm-hmm. to get through the fair with, with that membership. And, um, and it's a, uh, it's a good time. We, you know, the, the new members really, uh, when they get inducted on that opening day and they're exposed to the fair, it's, it's interesting to get their take because many of them have experienced the fair as a patron in the past, but they just didn't really understand what it really takes and, and the fun it is to sit there and interact with those patrons as they come through the kids, the excitement on their faces. And, uh, it's just a, it's a fun experience for everyone, but it's a very tiring experience as well. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And that's so special. As you said, we know from experience that members join largely because of projects. Mm-hmm. They want to be involved in something and you give them that experience. And we also know based on talks with many members in your club that you look to the next event, which is the money that you raise from this fair and how you can put that back into the community to make the community a better place to live. Tell us about how that looks. That's right. So uh, we are still uh, getting uh, the money invoices all sorted out, and that'll happen over the next couple months. Uh, It'll be around March, April that we'll kind of have an idea of what funds we have available to give out. And at that point, we have a committee. It's called our AIMS Committee. We look to aim those funds uh, where appropriate. And um, we it's a committee that's, that's chaired by two individuals and then there's subcommittees and then subcommittees on that. And we've recently been moving our aims focus into to align better with, uh, with the programs of service and really fitting it in with Americanism, uh, community service and youth projects. Uh, and then within that, uh, the national project, which is the prevention of child abuse, uh, is, is another focus that, that we look at. So we have basically four uh, subcommittees that look to aim those funds appropriately. We send out uh, uh, grant uh, applications uh, to those uh, nonprofits that we're aware of, and we try to advertise that out so that other nonprofits who we might not be aware of will, will also mm-hmm. require request a, an application. That process takes a couple months to kind of sift through, get the applications in. We start review it, look to where our needs, our money can make, maybe meet the needs the best. And we as subcommittee start voting on how much uh, we're giving out to each of these, com- uh, these nonprofits. Uh, and then as a larger group, we get together and, and make the decision uh, as a body of about 20 to 24 individuals to, to dole, you know, basically dole the money out, so to speak. And that money gets, uh, gets sent to them right away. Now we don't actually have a, an official, um, community service day until right before the fair. So these, these, uh, nonprofits, they get the money as soon as they can, but we ask that they show up. And, and this year it was the Thursday before the fair opened that we had community service oh. day at the fairgrounds. We invited them all to come out to a nice lunch. We uh, introduced each of them. We, we talked about what they asked for, what we were able to give. We have the media come out. It's a big day for us because we're really trying to tie to our general public at large in the metro area that the fair, while it's a fun thing for our patrons to go to, what it really is about is raising money for these nonprofits. And, and right. it's, been a, um, 
it's been decades long to try to to promote that connection to the patrons and so we're we're moving in a direction where next year we're hopeful that community service day will actually be the opening day of the fair oh wow ambitious yeah (laughs) yeah so jeremy for our listeners who aren't all all that familiar with the fair um i'm sure the majority of them have heard of Mm -hmm. it could you give us an idea over the past few years uh, maybe excluding 2020 Mm -hmm. How much money do you raise typically, and how much are you able to give out to various organizations? Uh, I know this makes a huge yeah. impact mm-hmm. in what those organizations are able to do. Yeah, so this past year, uh, for the 2021 fair, we gave out $324,000. Um, in 2020, we didn't have a fair, but we still were able to give money out. Just like the National Exchange Club has a foundation, our club created a foundation mainly a rainy day. Uh, we didn't think it would be a COVID day, but, but it was, you know, right. it was a COVID year. And so thankfully about 30 years ago, uh, some of our exchangeites with the vision created our own foundation where we set aside funds so that if we had a rain out, we would still be able to, to give that money away to those charities that need it. It was, it was a less, less of an amount, but it was, it was 200,000, um, that we were able to give out and it was great, uh, not having a fair, uh, years leading up to 2020, uh, we would give about anywhere from three to 500,000 a year. Some years, uh, years back, we were able to get much more than that. Um, but I would say we probably, I'm going to probably get this wrong, but over the past uh, 15 years, we've probably given up close to $9 million, something like that. So it's, that's incredible. Uh, it's been, it's just a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of good yeah, partnerships. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a fun challenge for us each year. Well, that's proof of the positive impact of having an exchange club in the community mm-hmm. that you can support that type of give back. Mm-hmm. Right. It's pretty amazing and significant. That makes a significant difference for those nonprofits that you're able to help. Yep. Yeah. And it's a full circle vision mm-hmm. really. So rather than just getting only the community members involved in the fair, you're also connecting to other nonprofits and those who might need your services in the future. Um, maybe even people who are interested in joining, but you're making that full connection with your community. That's right. And, and we've, that's a good point. We've, we've inducted several members recently. In fact, two of them were inducted uh, opening day of the fair who came from a nonprofit, experienced that side of it, and then wanted to be a part of what we do. So it's been, it's been awesome. great. That, yeah. And we hear that you do have plans for other events now at the fairgrounds, correct? You have something coming up, I believe, in the spring. Tell us about it. We that. do. So uh, we are doing, a, each spring, we, to keep our members engaged. Now, there's lots of programs of service that keep our membership engaged through the year. Many things that we're involved in, like Salvation, Salvation Army bell ringing and uh, academic bowl judges and, and things like that. We, we began to realize that there's a gap in the spring where our membership may like to have a, a little bit more involvement with a smaller event. And so it started, uh, started in late 2020 with the cowboy challenge. It's a small event. Um, and it was a two day event that, that actually had a rain out for one of the days. Oh. It wasn't as successful, but we could see the, the benefit of it. And so we did it again last year and partnered it with a barbecue, uh, kind of a cook off. And, and it, it was mildly successful. Um, this year we're looking to grow it further 
and we're changing, rebranding it as an outdoor expo. So we'll still have the Cowboy Challenge. We'll have some RVs and hopefully some boats, uh, kind of like an RV boat show, outdoor show. Uh, we're looking to kind of expand into uh, that kind of outdoor world, not doing the barbecue side this year, and just trying to see what we can what we can do in the spring for a much smaller event, a two-day event. It's not as grueling on our membership, um, okay. but something that gets them out and about, and it's going to be in April of this year. That's great. That's great. I love to hear that you're looking for ways. You see that lull in the energy of your membership, and you're looking for ways to make sure they stay engaged. Yep. And also, another thing that we're doing to try to see how we can supplement and give more proceeds from our fair to uh, these nonprofits, we're really ramping up our uh, off-season event rentals at the fairgrounds. So other groups that want to come in and rent the fairgrounds for their events, uh, we're really seeing an uptick in that. We've invested money recently in a new building uh, and some capital improvements that will help us to, to rent those facilities out so that we can offset some of the expenditure side so we can then give more money back in the future. Sure. So how did, how did your club acquire the fairgrounds, the property of the fairgrounds uh, initially? Yeah. So uh, I guess back in 1957, we, we took over the fair. Um, and, and, and again, about that, the, the membership back then started, uh, I think for three years, they ran it at a different location. Uh, a, about nine, nine members of that group in about 1959-60 had a vision that they were outgrowing the, the fairgrounds uh, off of Dorchester Road and, and needed more, uh, more land, which land was more available uh, in a community called Ladson, uh, just kind of above, uh, kind of west of North Charleston. And so they, the nine of those members put personal loans out and had this vision to go secure the grounds and, uh, and move the fairgrounds to that location where it's operated uh, since then. Uh, and so over the years, we've made improvements as we've had successful fairs. We've reserved some money aside to, to make those improvements where we see a need. Um, we've, we don't see this much anymore, but we have uh, spots on the grounds where, say, a uh, high school band wants to have a, a booth. They'll they'll build the booth and they kind of lease it, the grounds from us to, to do that. Those have kind of transitioned to be more mobile type uh, venues. And so those mm -hmm. permanent structures have been removed or repurposed. Uh, so a lot of it has to do with with those, uh, that kind of that planning of that group and then the, the vision of that group. And then knowing that the fair is only, at that time, it might have only been nine days instead of 11 days. But how can we utilize the grounds 365 days a year and not let it sit vacant? And so that off-season rental has been a huge part of our history since we purchased the grounds. Great. So you planned, they planned for the vision, the future of the club, but also the community. That's right. They saw the, the ability of this event. Absolutely. And, you know, Charleston is certainly exchange strong in terms of the number of clubs and the variety of clubs. Mm -hmm. I, you know, absolutely a hub of exchange nation. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of 
leaders there, past national presidents, volunteer field representatives, and in fact, our 2022-23 national president, David Johnson, is a member of the Exchange Club of Charleston and a couple of others. So to what do you attribute that success of exchange? Certainly a big footprint in that community. Certainly the club sees the value of having exchange clubs there. How do you see those clubs all working together for the benefit of the community, Jeremy? Yeah, I think that's it's real important. You know, our club meets uh, once a week, every Thursday, except for a fifth Thursday where we don't meet and we have a, a party instead. Um, and we meet at lunchtime, and that's not uh, convenient to a lot of people. But there are evening exchange clubs that meet maybe once a month in the evening, and there are other uh, exchange clubs locally that meet at different times, maybe once a month or twice a month. Uh, and so I think the importance that we have there is just what, what works for people's schedules. And if we see a need uh, and there's an, an interest, we are always uh, quick to, to see how we can, can help uh, a club form uh, that might meet that need. Or if a club is struggling, uh, how can we step in and, and help in some way? Uh, we, you mentioned uh, National President David Johnson, and, and I can assure all your listeners that we put him to good work. <laughs> we hit him, hit him in a corner, and uh, and catch him out of the spotlight, you know. But no, he he had a great time. But his wife, Kathy Johnson, is the the president of the South Carolina District, and she and I got together with uh, another uh, one of my our members, Steve Olson, uh, months before back in the summer. So and we talked about could we do an interclub meeting opening day of the fair, and so. Uh, from say one o'clock to two o'clock, we we had a, uh, a small turnout, but we extended the invitation to club presidents in the area to come out to the fairgrounds and let's talk about how can we as a group do more together. How can we share our calendars? Uh, many times we don't know what other clubs are doing, and and they don't know what we're doing, and so we began this the first step in, in just a, an informal discussion of what each club what their kind of primary fundraiser is, what things they're interested in, and how other clubs may help them. And we're starting a community calendar uh, to kind of keep that up there so that any one of us can log into the district uh, calendar and see what's going on and use that as a platform to, to help these other clubs because uh, that inner club uh, working is, is very important to us. We have a lot of fun getting together with those other clubs and, and seeing what they're doing and uh, and supporting their venues too. We Isle of Palms, for example, yes. does a, a, a big run on the Isle of Palms connector, and we're always there to sponsor uh, their event and put some of our members running it or volunteering. And, and so we really look for that. We we've tried to look for the the younger membership that we know that that's our future. And so with our club, the Crescent Club was started several years ago, and we've been utilizing the Crescent Club. Uh, to come and work uh, at our gates during our fair because it exposes them to what we do. It helps them have a service project. Uh, and, and we just see the importance uh, of that as well. Awesome. Well, this has been so great learning about everything going on leading up to the fair and beyond. What advice would you have for exchange clubs from different areas of the country, big or small, who may be listening to this episode, Jeremy? You know, just, I think the most important thing is engage your membership, you know, get together mm -hmm. with them, uh, ask them what they enjoy about exchange, what they see as maybe lacking in their club and, and then strategically 
work on planning, uh, whatever that event is, uh, uh, whatever those events may be, and, and keep them engaged through the year. Uh, I think it's important to, to certainly look at, at your future, certainly look at the membership, don't let it get stagnant, continue to bring people to the meetings, and, and have good programs uh, at those meetings to, to really attract the, those members to, to join. That's great advice. Absolutely. Jeremy, thank you for being a valued member of Exchange. We wish you continued success. Keep us posted on how the rest of the year goes and all of our best to all the members of the Exchange Club of Charleston. Thank you so thank much you. for being on this episode of Talk Exchange. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you.